That's fine. Hey, hey, we should do an intro. No, we shouldn't. How will they know we're the theater boys? They'll just know, okay? And we're back, ladies, gentlemen, and aliens on other planets. Whether you want us to be or not, we're here. This time we're going to be reviewing a great classic. We're going, I think we're going like way back in time here. What is this? This movie came out in the 60s? Uh, 50s or 60s. Yeah, I think it was the 60s. Yeah, early color. 60s. Yeah, early 60s. We are indeed reviewing the coveted, the acclaimed Ben-Hur with, forget the actor's name, Peter O'Toole. I'm glad you remembered because I didn't. Yeah, he's the, he's, uh, what's his name from Troy? The old guy in Troy? Oh, wow. Yeah, long career, right? Holy crap. Yeah. Well, to get into it. I mean, first 15, 10, 15 minutes was an overture, which was just great. Yeah, yeah. If oh. you, if you haven't watched a movie with an overture, you're missing out on a long time to pee and get snacks. It was like before they rolled commercials, before everything, they played overtures, so you would get to the theater, there'd be music playing... You'd be able to go, get your seat, get snacks, sit down. You weren't worried about being berated by this M&M's commercial that's just never going to actually become a real movie, but yeah. they totally could if they wanted to. But, you know, think of it as these are people coming out of, like, theater age where they'd play the music before everything, so you yeah. didn't jump into the performance. It's that transitionary period between stage and screen. Yeah, which... That's a part of what it is, and it's a beautiful piece of cinema, like, history that's going on there. Also lends itself to the, uh, intermission, as well. Movies over three hours long? Yeah, a little, a little over three hours long. Um, maybe, maybe three twenty. Well, when you cut out the overture and the, the The intermission, it's probably like three hours, but it was good, it was very good. Yeah, uh, the movie is, takes you on a wild ride. Of this man. Did we say the movie yet? Yeah, we said Ben Hur. Oh, we said Ben Hur. Okay. Yeah, Ben Hur. Ben Hur. We're recording. Yeah. We're recording. We're live. We're live, Alex. Yeah, I know. Get with I it. Know. I know. I don't have the notes. <laughs> ben Hur. Yes. Anyway, continue. Um, so it just follows his his life journey as being this uh, upper class noble. I guess is a good way to describe him. Um, Prince of Hur, I think is how he's referred to in the movie, um, and just follows his life as this turmoil with the Roman Empire and this tension that's going on um, during the early first century. And it's just like his his life, his fall from nobility, and his rise back up, uh, which is a very inspiring story. And it's all backdropped and paralleled against uh, the story of Jesus during that time, which is just... I think helpful for the writers at the time of making this movie to give us characters that for the broad majority of the populace knew or knew of and they didn't have to write into these background characters so that the audience knew who they were whereas in today you have to flesh out a lot of yeah, there was, background there's a lot of that kind of liberty taken with several characters yeah um, and that are very kind of intricate to the, yeah. to the plot as well very interesting how they how they could do that back then. I don't really think that would work so much now. It, it might. It. I think it could work to an extent. I think you could get like Jesus in there. I don't think you could get Pontius Pilate as a known character well, they, in there. They remade it recently. And yeah, I, I remember watching it, and I think Jesus himself was the only character from the biblical narrative that they used. 
Yeah. Um, I don't even remember if they mentioned Pilot, but he certainly, to my memory, wasn't a character as he was in this one. Yeah. Which, that also could lend itself to the fact that this one is probably double the length of the new one, uh, if not an hour longer. Yeah, it, it could be, but the new one just takes, I think, trying to make it for a newer audience that isn't going to watch a three-and-a-half-hour movie. I mean, I don't know, though. I, I feel like they're testing the waters with that, with every movie that comes out that's like two hours and 40 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. And like, I wonder if they're gradually trying to, like, train the ADHD brain to, like... Back to it. I, mean, I would love that. I miss longer, more in-depth movies that are just, like, one and done. Yeah. Like, because sometimes it feels like when things are broken into two movies, it's too much. Yeah. Like, something that I appreciated around the same time, probably, as Ben Hur, like, the John Wayne films that came out. His westerns, not so much his, his other movies that were, like, more thrillers. Um, but those westerns that were like you could get two and a half hours to three hours I'm thinking of The Searchers in particular is a long movie has a has an intro like uh, uh, well, I forget what it was the intermission and the yeah. over, I have not overturn. seen a lot of those films and we might, might have to yeah. go and watch some of those yeah. next because they're very similar I would say in story direction that there's a lot of falling like, bad circumstance happens to these people. The fall from grace. The, uh, a fall from grace, or it's not that they do it necessarily, but circumstances happen to them, uh, and they have to respond and build their lives back up again from nothing. Uh, and it's either, in John Wayne's case, he's entering into their storyline and helping them through that, or in Ben-Hur's case, he's rebuilding himself um, from the ground up again. Which... I think we can get into it. I, I thought the character development in this story, I felt, was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, something that's, I think, significantly lost on newer movies. Mm. Also, the, in spite of the movie being 60 years old, just about, Yep really held up and I think that leans very heavily on the insane amount of Ugh. practical effects oh including models which we're geeks about if you haven't picked up on that yet so we'll go into that in a bit uh, the model making the, the set actual design. sets themselves oh that were produced gosh. for this thing I mean it, it did not feel like I was watching like an older movie it wasn't like held to small rooms and like dark spaces where they mm -hmm. could like kind of elaborate through context yeah. or inside of buildings i mean they had insane sets for this that yeah. were just it wasn't like the first alien no <laughs> no not at all like this was this was incredible um which i mean alien is another one you should probably do at some point but anyway uh yeah this was it was beautiful to watch it was really intense relationships between ben-hur and uh particularly uh with the villain the uh my gosh, is, I can't remember his name. Was it Marcus? Aurelius? Aurelius? Something, something, yeah. something Aurelius? Something Roman. Marcus Aurelius? No, probably. it wasn't. No, it was just some general guy. But I mean, like, they introduce him. You find out they're childhood friends. And they, they're, like, great childhood friends. And they miss each other. Mm -hmm. and, like, and then it, it turns into, well, you know, we picked our sides a long time ago. And now we're butting against each other because of an accident. Um, and it's not even that the friend misinterprets the accident 
he knows that it's an accident and he still carries out the most extreme judgment that he can. Yeah. Um, which is just like kind of heartbreaking to see from Ben-Hur's perspective and then like really drives home the rest of the movie and gives you that tension for the final chariot race, which we'll get there eventually. Yeah. And I think their, their relationship to begin with, you really understand like these are two people who were great friends. They hadn't seen each other in a long time. Uh, and they were formed in their later, like, teens and early, I would say, 20s, probably. They were formed by empirical ideology or, from one's perspective, being oppressed yep. uh, by that empire and kind of a resistance ideology, uh, almost like a, we want to be self-governing. Um, and I, I think it, it plays into this movie heavily as the story goes on Ben-Hur coming to understand why his friend felt this way about the Empire um, and is, comes to understand the the benefits that do come with the Roman Empire and that's what I noticed in the film later on but we can get to that later if you want to jump into his right. sentence first oh yeah I mean talk about like historical context right so he's is or spoiler time we're like well into it also this movie's 60 years old um, you're behind you're, the you're well behind <laughs> i was well behind the eight ball anyway so he's uh that the roman empire comes to visit uh, his friend is kind of sent ahead as a lieutenant to to kind of make sure things go smoothly uh they're told there's not going to be a lot of fanfare when you enter the city people aren't too happy to see you but it should be fine uh his ben-hur's sister ben's sister is infatuated with his friend, uh, kind of has like a romantic interest in him, and she's really excited to see him come into the city and be paraded around in his military uniform and, and the like. And she's leaning on a rooftop, and when she's leaning on it, a, and they like kind of give a little foreshadowing to it, you see something shake, uh, a little tile falls off the roof, smashes in front of a general's horse, you know, the general falls off his horse, he gets knocked out, it's a mess. They think, you know, the Romans storm Ben's house thinking someone's throwing stuff down. Ben says, it was me, it was me, I did it, you know, hoping his sister will be spared from whatever's to come. His friend comes in and he's like, look, it was an accident, go up and look for yourself. Like, we did not mean any harm, we're not trying to cause any trouble, we're not here causing any problems. Um, and they take him and his mom and his, his sister and drag them away to prison. Uh, and then there's a shot later on of, of Ben's friend, uh, and he's on the rooftop, and he's kind of touching the tiles, and he knocks a tile off accidentally, and he kind of realizes, like, oh, this is very clearly what happened. They weren't throwing tiles down at us. But then, knowing all of that, he comes back, he uh, finds out his sentencing. They're sending him to the galleys of the Roman Navy, which... For those of you who don't know, it was uh, essentially forced slave labor, where they chained the slaves to the boats and forced them to be the living engine of the ship. Needless to say, if that ship ever sunk, they would all go down with it. So it was essentially a death sentence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you know, Jews angry about this, but the thing that angers him the most, and he actually breaks out and almost kills his buddy, is that he finds out that his sister and mother are also going to prison. Though they have done nothing wrong, particularly his mom, who wasn't even on the rooftop when everything happened. So, 
this spawns him getting sent to... So it's kind of like the first act, the in opening act. They also give us a, a love interest uh, for Ben that she gets introduced in a very, I'd say... Esther. Yeah. And I'd say, uh, given the... Um, what we were talking about earlier about the transition between stage and theater, you definitely get a lot of that with the shots that they do when it's just a few characters. It's a very wide area they're on. You're looking at from one side usually with some kind of backdrop. It kind of looks theater-esque now that looking back on it. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Also a lot of really cool model work that they use when they're in a balcony. We first thought it was just a painting. Now, it might have been two paintings. We didn't actually look it up. There's a lot of little details and things, and they went over the top as far yeah. as recreating these things that we just take for granted nowadays. Yeah, the budget would... I can't imagine what it was for this movie to happen. Type. Quickly type. I'm typing! We really gotta take notes and do so beforehand. Nah, we do it live. Do it live. We only do it live. That's what you get. Um, but, um, I mean, the, the, everything looks fantastic. The first act really builds all of these characters, lets you know their motivations and why they are doing what they did, and then really builds the payoff that's to come down the road. Adjusted for inflation, this is actually coming in pr relatively cheap in comparison to today's high-budget films, at only $139 million adjusted for inflation. $139 million adjusted for inflation. Yep. That's insane. Originally made for $15 million back in... Wow. They pay single actors that much nowadays. Yeah, for real. Uh, but really, the scenery, everything, that go the costume design, everything that you see, especially for the Roman legionnaires... Oh to, my gosh. Um, everything, almost, I think for the most part, is unique... To each subset and division. Whether it's you have your guards, they have one thing, like your jailers, they have one thing. You have your Romans that are prancing through the streets, that's one thing. The Roman battle uh, individuals are one thing when they're on the ships. It's like a whole entire intricacy uh, of what they go through for these outfits. Which is yeah, amazing. Yeah, they. I, yeah, that. It's it, it's not even like the cheesy corny. You can tell that swords made out of foam stuff that you even get in movies like now. It's like there's like a hundred Roman soldiers in this shot, and none yeah. of them are CGI duped. They're yeah. all there. Yeah. Also, like you pointed out when we were watching it, like it wasn't like all of the army was single cast repeats of the same thing. There was a lot of like uniquely patterned things even amongst yeah. the general soldiers like a lot of this stuff had to be handmade it wasn't like you know duplicated it, it was insane yeah i would really imagine insane. thousands of extras for this for this film because of the size when you get later on in the movie the size for some of these shots in the stadiums no way they don't have a couple thousand people in those seats oh, there's yeah, just was, no way it was insane um they uh really went all out and like even when they got to the, the ship battle, that was probably the only part where it looked a little corny. So once I they, mean, it's cheesy to us, but think about back then that people are able to depict a full-fledged naval battle in, to us, recognize it today as very cheesy and it's all miniatures that are happening, yeah, but, but back to them, then it was definitely nuts. that's their cutting-edge Thanos, Warcraft, CGI yeah. right there. Very, very easily. I mean, it was, it was, it was still looked really good. It was just like, you could definitely tell the limitations of models, specifically dealing with water and the fact that water can't be forcibly scaled. If the yeah. water had scaled well, if they had found, like, if they had some way of doing that, like, it would have been, yeah, like, because the ships were amazing. They were probably yeah. the size of, like, a microwave oven, probably a little bigger than that is the scale they built them down to, and they yeah. were 
really good. And they were yeah. shooting balls of fire and everything right and left. It was great. Um, Little matches, basically. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like a couple of guys like flicking match heads across, but it was it was good. But anyway, so that when he's on the ship, uh, he essentially, because that that's kind of seems to be his um, turning point. His well, I wouldn't say certain, the one constant in his life is he seems to be the kind of person who like earns things on merit, or at least mm-hmm. that's who he becomes. So even as a slave, he kind of gets a reputation for being incredibly hardworking, mm-hmm. um, mainly because he's angry and he wants to survive. But he survived like several ships, and he kind of becomes like an old man. In in the words of Batman, he's vengeance yeah, personified. Vengeance. Yeah, no, in I, this entire movie, Batman could very easily be based off of this character, Batman as we know him, because he literally is vengeance. That is what he. I totally forgot about that little speech. He's like, yeah. "I will come back for you," and yeah. that will be it. So his his anger keeps him alive, and uh, keeps him keeps him moving. And he kind of has this little talk with the captain of uh, the ship he's on at one point, mm-hmm. and he tells him, like. Like, I think the guy asked him, like, how... He wants him to be a gladiator, because you can tell he's, like, you know, super, super good at stuff. And he's like, nah, because I need to get out of here and get free, because I need to go avenge somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the captain kind of takes sympathy on him. And when push comes to shove, the captain kind of realizes they're about to enter into a battle that they ain't really coming out of. But for the sake of duty and honor, they gotta go into it anyway. So he has uh, Ben's chain not locked so that if the ship does go down he can get out uh ultimately the ship does go down ben saves himself saves a bunch of his his brother in the hall and then uh ends up saving the captain and then that's where uh we kind of transition into i don't want to say there's four acts to the movie but there's definitely four parts yeah four or three uh i think Three distinct ones in my mind. the His life before, his life as a slave, and specifically his life with the general, I yeah, would I say, his life as, the general. Is, the thir- is the second mid-transition act. The and, second act. And the third is him becoming uh, his own man uh, and... Renouncing his past. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so that brings us into the... Yeah, I guess Life of the General will be the second act. Because when he meets this general, this general essentially adopts him as a son Mm -hmm. uh, over the course of years. There's a little bit of a time jump in there that I didn't quite appreciate. I found it a little awkward, but if the movie was made today, you could solve that by doing a 30-second montage of him doing chariot races. Call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that'd be where that introduction, there'd be like literally like a minute, minute and a half of like what happens put to some music yeah. this is his training montage yeah for the fight so they skip the training montage but essentially you get um he goes in he now becomes not a gladiator but a chariot racer and a really good one at that for this house mm-hmm. uh this guy ends up publicly saying you know this man who was my slave i am now leaving him my household he is my one sole heir i have no sons he will take it from me and it gives him status in the Roman court to the point where he can rub shoulders with governors and stuff, and he kind of becomes this big taboo deal, um, which I forget what brings him back to Judea, but... He's always wanted to go He's back. always wanted to go He's back. He's always wanted he... to go back to uh, there because he wanted to go get his sister and his mother back. Yes. That's what was driving him there, and even though he knew that Masala, 
Masala, that's the name. Excellent. Chicken masala. Yeah, that's uh, right, masala. <laughs> I kept being like, why does he remind me of food? Uh, and so he has always wanted to go back there because he's like, I have to get my mom and sister out of there. It has been, I think he said, five years. I mean, um, it was five years chariot racing, three years in the boat, so it was yeah. probably about eight to ten years before he yeah. made it back to Judea. So you have that time period, and he's like, he's still holding out hope that they're still there. Mm. And he says this line when he's back in Judea, he's like, uh, he says it to Masala's face, he's like, for your sake, you better hope they're still alive. Yeah. Because now he is at a higher level than Masala is, as far as Roman uh, aristocracy Goes. would go. Yeah, um, so, he became... so it's a huge thing. Well, I loved, I loved, 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 loved when he came back to meet his friend. Mm. And he arrives, he's this prince of high Rome, he comes bearing gifts, he has the gifts delivered ahead of time, he uses, the, I forget the name of the household that he is now part of, uh, yeah. He's the prince of whatever, and you know Marcella. He opens this box. He's like, "Wow, who is this prince that I don't even know him?" And he's to give me this gift. It was like this really good. He's so excited, and then knock, knock on the door, and look who it is. And it's this really good transition of like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, you're alive!" And not only are you alive, but you are my boss. Yeah. Um, or you're my boss's son. Yeah, now. my boss's son. <laughs> you, you are in charge of things, and this makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. And it comes down to, um, hey, go release my sister and, and uh, mother. And as he said, like, they better be alive for your sake. Mm-hmm. And then it goes through this little thing with Romans. You're like, oh, yes, there's uh, someone somewhere in this dungeon. We'll have to go find them. And we alphabetized them and sorted them by most miserable to least miserable. <laughs> Ooh, they are the most, most miserable. miserable. <laughs> Let's go. And, you know, you get to the thing and the guy's like, oh, yeah, this door never opens. The jailer's like, I have never seen them, but I know they're still alive because the food keeps going away. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then it turns out that plot twist, they have leprosy. Bum, bum, bum. Which is definitely relied upon a heavy understanding of any kind of like biblical context. Because I feel like a lot of that would be lost if you didn't understand how lepers were treated and all that. Yeah. Which, to them, they're Leper like... culture. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me. Uh, I need to... You know, they end up running away to a leper colony and not telling Ben that they are alive. Which, as you can imagine, puts a large hole in Marcella's plans to save his own skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this tension created because Esther, uh, who's Ben and Esther get back together when he comes back and finds that Esther and her father, yep. right, were keeping were released from prison, or the father was at least re- released from prison, and they were keeping their house uh, going. Uh, Esther was one of. Uh, Esther and her father are one of the, her servants, which yes. isn't like, like, not as in the way we think of it. They're kind of like your, like, I guess serfs. You just live in, you res, reside yeah, and govern serfs. under them. It's, it's more like permanent hired hand. Yeah. Um, you can't quit this job. Yeah, you can't quit this job, but you're going to be treated really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. So, you know, he, he's ecstatic to see them and happy to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been kind of keeping this going. And he kind of starts out not wanting to do anything violent against Marcel. He just wants to go back home and do stuff. But once he 
is under the impression that his sister and mom are dead yeah. is when he starts formulating his plans. And enter probably like my favorite character outside of Ben, the uh, the Sheik, the guy. Oh, the, the Sheik. Yeah. The chariot Racer Man. The chariot Racer. It's just like, he was great. Yeah. But he comes in and gives Ben away to... How did, he meets him traveling, right? He yeah, meets he meets him, him traveling before he first gets into Jerusalem. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you should chariot race for me. And he's like, no, I gotta take care of this business first. Yeah. But he's like, you know, there is no law in the arena for the chariot races. Yeah, lots of guys die there. You could totally kill a Roman higher up and get away with it. Which is the foreshadowing that brings us to... I guess the final battle. Yeah, basically the final battle. The third Here, act, which enter. is incredible. It's incredible that it's just amazing, and it's incredible that it's long. Mm. I can't remember a. I'm thinking to like chase scene levels, and I can't remember a, a chase scene basically that was this exciting. Um, that they had seven rounds. Nine. Or nine, uh, around the, uh, stadium. They really didn't the cut stadium. any of it. They kind of showed you everything in every lap. I don't and really know how long it was, but yeah, it was good. It was good. It was just really authentic. It, it starts you off, like, with the, the deep breath, using Gandalf's word before you get into it. Uh, there, it's, everyone's lining up. You're getting in there. You find out that Marcella's riding the Emperor's, uh, black horses, um, versus the... Arabic white horses, um, and then it's like everyone breathes, they do the parade yep. around, which I thought was captivating. Like, yeah. for us as an audience goer, for me, coming from a CGI level, being raised in uh, the decades that we are in right now, being raised on CGI, being able to see an entire uh, School of horses, basically. School, I don't like the flock. A flock. Gaggle. It's a herd. Sean. A, a gaggle of horses. <laughs> just to just to see the her, the herd of horses, um, that's there because it's four a piece, and I think there's about ten, maybe. It's probably 40, um, forty. Between between thirty and or probably like thirty two and forty horses. And you just see all these massive horses, and you're just like, oh my gosh, what is about to happen? And there was then, definitely no no horses were harmed in the making of this film at the end of that. That's a whole side. Yeah, that's a side note. If you are an animal lover, this race not, is not for not you. Not for you. Um, nope. Unfortunately. So you you get into this race, starts off when he drops the white handkerchief, and it's just going. You're just like, what the heck is going on the entire well, time? And Mar- Marcella has like those, those spikes on his thing that can yes. like, tear apart other chariots. Taking out the chariots left they and right. They didn't... But I feel like something a, a modern movie would have done would have made all of the quote-unquote, like, NPC characters seem incompetent. But, like, they actually put up a fight against it. Like, he wasn't just yeah. like, destroy you, destroy you, destroy you, I'm coming for the main character. It was, no, they were they were putting up a fight just as much as yeah. the other two were, and they weren't completely written yeah. off. And everyone felt like they had a reason, or they had a reason and understood why they were there. Um... And I think that goes for every character across the board of the movie. Like, there's a reason why they're there, there's a reason where they're going, um, or there's a reason why they're staying. Uh, there's nothing, like, left, I think, vague or unsaid um, for all of your characters. They're just like, yeah, we're here, and there's a reason why you're going, and there's reasons why we're staying. 
Well, yeah, I think, too, a lot of that had to play into probably, again, part of the theater stuff is, like, whenever a character walked on screen, they kind of mm-hmm. gave a little monologue about themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I am so-and-so, I hail from here, and I'm going there. And it was, like, it didn't really feel awkward or forced or anything, yeah. but it definitely gave you, here's me, here are my motivations, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. So you have all those characters in the race that you're really, like, oh, my gosh, they feel like their own individuals. And what happens during this race is truly exciting and raw because you see the chariots wipe out and the horses definitely get hurt (laughs) like there's no getting around that and i'm like did the guy did the did the stunt guy also get hurt that bad because this looks pretty bad i haven't looked it up but if there are dead horses and stuntmen because of this scene i would not be surprised i'm not advocating for this sort of thing but it's definitely like a it is unique in the sense of we're probably and should never get to see it again because you're also not going to get cgi that's going to do what that did. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was insane. And I've definitely seen shots from that race in, uh, like, the Corridor crew, like, when they review stunts and stuff like that, and just mm. didn't know what the movie was. But, yeah. like, it's it's insane. Yeah. It's um, amazing. Yeah. It was really, really yeah. good. It was... It was... And again, because you, you run into that problem with, like, races, right? Where, like, even with, like, when there's a countdown timer on a bomb in a movie and they use that mm-hmm. as their their MacGuffin or their, their tension piece. It's like, okay, how many, how are the laps going to be different every single time? Like mm-hmm. how many times can you watch somebody go around in circles? Sorry, NASCAR fans. Uh, and it gets boring, but this was like, yeah. it wasn't too long. It kept you on the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. The, it kind of told a story throughout the whole race where it was like, Marcella was kind of off doing his thing. Ben was off doing his thing. And they're kind of slowly working their way towards one another. Mm-hmm. until in the last like two or three laps, it's just them. Like, well, well, there's other people going, but it, you, yeah. the the story focuses in on just them. You're no longer looking yeah. at the other people unless they're in the way getting run mm-hmm. over or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, and I, I guess yeah, they don't they don't eliminate all the other drivers because that's what no. ultimately takes out Marcella. It's not Ben. It's well, it's, well, it's him. I would say it's Masala trying to get rid of Ben is what takes him That's out. true. Because he's trying to take out his wheels, he's trying to get over, and what he accidentally does is get his wheel hitched up. Yep. Uh, and what happens is when uh, Ben starts to pull away, it breaks um, the wheel, or the axle for the... I don't know what exactly... Rips snapped. the chariot apart. Rips the chariot apart. And then he, he gets run flying, over by a bunch of horses. Run, ran over, and you have one more lap. And it... Ben Hur is coming up on Marsala and he avoids him, but he has all the right to stomp the man into the ground. Yeah, but then the, the next the next horse stomps him into the ground. Well. <laughs> or he was already hit. But yeah, you Ben has that moment of I have won, you are defeated, I don't need to do anything more yeah. to you and almost like a, a mercy. And then he they end up meeting so after there's these little guys I totally want to just this would be if this movie came out today there were so many like memeable moments that would be all over the internet yes my favorite of which is the little ambulance guys that come out whenever a chariot crashes <laughs> like I can just hear the little wee woo wee woo wee woo noise as they run out with a stretcher trying to dodge other chariots oh <laughs> I can't imagine also like being those actors that have to run across to get like the fake bodies and then run them back. Like there are actual chariots coming. There's you, real bro. chariots, real horses storming at you. We can't edit this out in post. You're not running on a blank screen. Oh my gosh. Um 
but like there's so many things like that that just like absolutely were fantastic and like little details that just made me chuckle like thinking about it after the fact um and I just I thought the whole thing was like really good but anyway so they come out and they get him and then there's this really tense scene um where uh Ben comes and meets Marsala in kind of his deathbed and Marsala they're the doctors, mind you, the Roman Empire had, like, a pretty good bit of medicine. Mm. Not equivocable to modern medicine, but, like, they could do some stuff and drill in and take out tumors and things like that. Um, you have, your eyes are, like, coming out of your head. No, I just had this realization that S- Star Wars is just a low-key capital cat of Ben-Hur with Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, Star Wars is just a recap insert, of... Insert, pod racing. Of, no, Star Wars is just a recap of the em- Empire, the Roman Empire, period. Yes, yes. But the Siths are just it's like A2 Brute it's like that's just kind of how they do now what do you do Benny Vigi bros like could you imagine like just being a side note could you imagine just being a Sith Lord like there's only ever like it's just an apprentice and master and it's like you're the master you're gonna just take on an apprentice like you know what happens it's like just the same anyway um so so like anyway so he goes and meets and they have this really mm-hmm. tense scene and Marcella instead of wanting treatment he just hangs on because he knows Ben's going to come and see him. He knows that he's going to come and he wants to talk to him and get his last words in. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have this this tense thing where he... I kind of wish I remembered what they had said to each other. Um, but it was... It ended with Marcella saying, Your sister and mother are alive! <sighs> yeah. And then that brings us back to the whole... Which is the like the final word of spite. Yeah. He, in, in his final breath, he wanted to hurt Ben mm-hmm. as much as he could. As um, he and he did. Uh, did he tell them that they were at the leper camp? Yes. Okay. Um, because back then, leprosy was a death sentence. And a very terrible one at that. All your phalanges drop off. Yeah, your fingers drop off. Your toes drop off. You get infections. Your nose gets all messed up. Highly, highly don't recommend looking at pictures of it on the internet. Um, what he did. Now, again, a limitation... Yeah, which is exactly what I did while we were watching this movie. And again, a limitation of, of stuff back then is... They, they didn't have the makeup skills or the CGI skills to inflict the kind of injuries that leprosy would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anytime... So, Ben ends up finding them, and they, they kind of show up. But whenever they interact with anyone, they just, like, cover their faces really awkwardly. And yeah. it, it kind of made me chuckle. Um, like, cover their hands and faces, and they're kind of all hunched over, like, they're sickly and, and like, kind of like a golem character, almost. Yeah. Um, but, so, he ends up meeting them, and, and it kind of, this, this rolling back here, probably 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, brings us back to the whole, the Jesus narrative that's going mm-hmm. on in the background. And this is what weaves the two of them together. So early on, before he, when he's on his way to slavery... He runs into... Sorry, I keep, keep hitting my foot yeah, on the thing. Uh, he keeps running... He runs into uh, the man that we later find out is Jesus. And he feeds him. Or not feeds him, gives him water when the, the Roman soldiers are not letting him drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, Ben has no idea who this guy is. He's just very grateful and then moves on. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of hear about him throughout other characters of interactions with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of all crescendos in this final moment where... Um, in a desperate, so he having heard of all the miracles and stuff that are going on, Ben wants to get his family healed, and in a desperate attempt, uh, brings his mom and sister. His sister is really, really sick and on the verge of dying. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, back into the city in what can only be described as the the worst COVID safety protocol <laughs> of say, all time. No mass. I was gonna say like the total way things started in twenty twenty. That whole entire city should have died. <laughs> in my I mean, it was hilarious. They go up. There's this beggar in the street. It was. I mean, I was really hoping he would do it. I didn't think he would, but it made me laugh so hard in a re- really tense part of the movie. They go up to this beggar, and they're like, where is everybody? And, you know, he goes into the hole. They're crucifying Jesus thing. And, and the beggar's you know, blind. The beggar's blind, and he just he just points like, oh, they're over there. And then Ben throws a, a nice gold coin in the guy's cup, and he's so happy. And then he hears people scream like, lepers, 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 they brought lepers. And then you see the, the poor guy, like, stick his little, his little coin jar out and just turn it over and dump it on the ground with, like, this look on his face. Mm. And I was like, oh, gosh. Um... But anyway, so he goes to uh, help them, and then um, they end up meeting, and then the final miracle is, is Jesus dies, is the, the, they're healed. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like this weaving of two stories that happened at the same time. Uh, it was really good. Yeah. And we can go in on more of that. I think we're going to get cut a little short here in a minute. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, so. it just, for me... So when they got into the city, he ended up giving Jesus water because he helped him um, basically get back up when he fell with his cross one time. Um, And then he ended up watching Jesus get crucified. Um, And the girls go off away from Jesus. Um, And it's in the ninth hour. This is when the lightning struck. It's darkness. Uh, He's crucified. They get healed. Um, from the leprosy, um, presumably and affiliated with the death of Jesus, um, getting rid of sin, um, and that sin being what happened originally, um, to them, that enslavement, that wrong injustice that happened. And then there's this beautiful imagery of Jesus on a cross and his blood flowing down from Golgotha down to them via the thunderstorm that has occurred. Um, and it's just this beautifully, albeit maybe a little bit too long, just maybe two minutes just of following the blood trail of the Well, that was the close of the movie. Yeah, it down, just goes down to, to the girls, ends. and then it ends. Um, which, really nice. it doesn't necessarily resolve Ben's internal conflict, like, audibly, but visibly it does. You see him no longer, uh, concerned or stressed out about the health of his, the mother and sister that he cannot control their health and the vengeance as well uh, and and the vengeance for, because Marsala did that to them he's like uh, he he basically gives that up um to Jesus in that sense which is a beautiful beautiful depiction of what Jesus was coming to do for them which is take the sin take that stress take that worry take it away and that's what is visibly seen on Ben's face and what is audibly seen uh by the girls when they are healed, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, yeah, absolutely incredible shots and scenes and the representation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that is going to be all the time we have, though, unfortunately. Yes. But and so we will see you next time, ladies and gentlemen, here with the Theater Boys.